Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 90 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Have you ever looked at a piece of ground and thought, oh, man, I wish we could just turn back the time? Well, the theory is called rewilding. It's a relatively new approach, or it's an approach that was finally given a name called rewilding. And it's conservationists' attempt to restore what they believe it looked like in the past and they'll reintroduce native plants, native species, animal species, also removing um, those barriers to the natural processes such as predation or wildfire, allowing those things to occur naturally. And what they're hoping to do is to create self-sustaining uh, ecosystems that don't need human intervention. But we can also, they'll need human intervention in the fact that they keep things out but they'll allow those things with inside that area to go naturally. Oftentimes this will be large, really extremely large areas. Some of the examples of rewilding are Yellowstone National Park uh, with the reintroduction of gray wolves in the 90s, as well as stopping the creation of new roads and new developments or the Florida Panther National Wildlife Refuge. The Florida National Wildlife Refuge was established in 89 to protect and recover endangered Florida Panther. The refuge is part of a, a larger area and effort in restoring and connecting a bunch of different habitats so panthers can move in and around. There's the Redwood National forest as well as the state parks in that area and then there's a bunch that they call prairie restoration projects and this is happening along the great plains region within the united states a bunch of different prairies a bunch of different projects going in reintroducing native grasses and wildflowers and doing their best to remove those invasive species it's very challenging there's some there's some good benefits to rewilding uh, the goal of rewilding is to create self-sustaining and functioning eco ecosystems. So removing all of those man-made barriers, removing all the issues that we have created in those environments, whether it's from pollution or too much building and housing going on, pulling those out. It can be applied to a wide range of landscapes. It doesn't just need to be forests. It can be wetlands. It can be grasslands. They're also using it in marine ecosystems. It can provide a bunch of ecological benefits. So there's carbon sequestration, habitat creation, water quality improvement in a lot of these areas, as well as social and economic benefits. Some of the social and economical benefits are bringing people in to better understand what pristine and beautiful environments look like. One of the one of the things I'm thinking about rewilding, and we almost had to do it, but we we've stopped, is pebble mine up in Alaska. Do you imagine if that mine would have got put in and the destruction and the damage that would have cost caused? You take something so pristine, have an ecological disaster, and one of those. Uh, tailing pits are released with all the chemicals and it kills off that area and the amount of work that would have to go in 
to rehabilitating and trying to make that in a pristine environment again. I'm glad we didn't. We don't have to worry about that currently. But uh, rewilding takes a bunch of technology, a bunch of different things, and a lot of money. Uh, oftentimes, when they're doing this, it costs a lot of money to buy up all this land, because as humans, we like to build, we like to possess, we like to take things and build on them. Because if we're not building, then we're staying stagnant. And people don't like to see that. Here in uh, the area that I live in, they've actually started putting tax money to keeping these lands open. It's a, an open lands fund. And uh, when open areas are going up for sale, they're now turning it over to the county. And any lands that would be bought with this with this money uh, would stay open lands. But it also goes to help the those that have these open lands be able to take care of it and f use money to restore and resuscitate and make better than what it currently is. It's also a growing movement. Um, there's a bunch of different conservation groups that are trying to buy up land, realizing that We've already developed probably the best habitat that we can. Oftentimes, the first places we settle as humans are in the best habitat ground. And then we save places that are beautiful, but not necessarily the best habitat. I'm thinking of like Bryce Canyon. Super gorgeous, arches everywhere, but not a whole lot of diversity as far as wildlife and different biological organisms there. It's mostly rock. But then you think of valley floors that have all that fertile soil and all the different things going on, and those are the first places that we settle. There are some challenges, though, with rewilding. Um, resistance from local communities is high. When people in the area that I live in think of rewilding, uh, they think of hippies or herb growers, and there's not a lot of support for it. Because if you say you want to leave an area open and you're automatically cast off as a weirdo because you could financially benefit from that. So by doing that, you get shunned, at least in the area that I live in. And another challenge is if you're wanting to rewild something, um, let's say that a portion of Utah you want to rewild, and some of that rewilding that you're going to have to bring back is is large predators. Utah right now as a whole is opposed to wolves. So bringing wolves into Utah, part of that rewilding process like you saw in Wyoming uh, into the Yellowstone and Idaho, that's it brings a lot of controversy and challenges. I'm not opposed to wolves. I've seen how they, they work in their current environment. I've seen how they work up in Alaska. And the game species, the big game species, they get a along with them very well. They're not, I think uh, there's a, a huge myth created to make wolves out as completely evil. But I also understand that, that uh, they need to be managed as well. Because if you're having a wolf come in and attack uh, sheep herders, then there's going to be some challenges and you're just going to have to deal with those issues. So I'm not opposed to bringing wolves in as, uh, and I'm not opposed to managing wolves from a wildlife standpoint. There's also just a lack, as we were talking earlier, about suitable habitat. 
some of the habitat needed is going to require some of these valley floors, and those are the first things that are filling up. And so that just presents a challenge. There's not a lot of people willing to buy hundreds and thousands of acres of land and then just say, I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to keep it for habitat. When I started college back in 2013, there was a huge movement to push for the state to take over uh, all the federal lands. And it was basically a tax issue. The feds weren't paying very much. They called it PILT. Uh, payment in lieu of taxes, and the federal government wasn't paying very much to the state of Utah, and the state of Utah was saying that if we got more of that, then we wouldn't fight over, but since you're not willing to pay more in taxes for the federal lands you have within our borders, then we're going to just take it from you. And at first, I, I was a big fan of that, because I thought, geez, you know, I don't want somebody from Washington, D.C. telling us how we should manage our lands here. But then I realized as I dug deeper into the issue, the state of Utah didn't have the amount of money needed to take care of those lands. And as soon as they got a hold of them, their idea was to sell a majority of that off. And that land would then become private. We'd have no more access. So there are very few places or groups that have enough land for this rewilding. But when somebody can do it, it's pretty neat. Invasive species are, are tr proving to be a big challenge in this. If you're trying to rewild uh, North American savanna, a, a grassland, and you're just overrun with cheatgrass, I see this on Antelope Island. As they try to plant, they get fires, they go in and plant, and it seems like the first thing to take hold and start spreading is that cheatgrass. And so invasive species are proving to be a real challenge. In the, the south, um, hogs, you can go in and rewild in an area and then you're just going to have hogs move in and take it over and there's not a whole lot you can do. Funding and resources are super limited. Uh, I don't know, you could get all the billionaires today in the world to donate and they still wouldn't create a, bear, a very big reserve or a rewilding in area. There are some billionaires out there. Um, I'm thinking of Bill Gates that do have quite a bit of land. I think they said Bill Gates has roughly 4% of all agricultural land in the United States. And if you take it from all over, it's still not a very large area, but it would be very fascinating to go through and do a, a rewilding project there. And then there's uncertainty. Are these actually going to work? Is it going to work out? Are the effort and the amount of money and the time going to work out? Or... Every time you start to do a project, is another wildfire going to come through or some other challenge going to come through and just ruin those issues? So rewilding, it's a, it's a challenging, but it, it's a very interesting thing. One of the things that I really got looking at was the prairie restoration projects. And the prairie restoration projects, there's quite a few going on. Some are only a couple hundred acres. Some are some thousands of acres across the different states in the Midwest. And what they're doing is they're reintroducing native grasses and wildflowers. And many of the projects involves uh, a reintroduction of these native grasses and wildflowers due to land use, whether it was farming or... Uh, some other land development that they ultimately tore down. 
And then they're also going through and they're doing their dangdest to remove invasive species. That almost seems like an uphill battle, but they're doing their best. And they're trying to restore what they call a natural fire regime. They're going through these areas, looking at the hist historically how, how did fires happen? How were they started? How many years apart? Was it 10 years, 25, 30 years apart? And then going through and trying to do controlled burns as well as reintroduction of native wildlife. Now, some of these are going to be more challenging. Uh, if they had wolves in those systems, they're going to be a little bit di difficult. But other ways that they can play a part is bringing in bison, prairie dogs, prairie chickens, seeing if they can make habitat more suitable for them. So rewilding, interesting projects, interesting concept, really expensive, and kind of cool when it plays out. All right, guys, have a great day. Stay wild.